You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. All of us Broadway fans have Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley to thank for much of the entertainment during this COVID pandemic. Their wildly successful Stars in the House live stream concert series has played nearly every day since last March, and it's raised over $750,000 for the Actors Fund and other notable organizations. Today, I am so excited to welcome these two guys who have done so much for the Broadway industry for decades and have given of themselves and their talent in front of and behind the curtain. So welcome, James and Seth, to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Thanks, Jan. Hi, Jan. Hey. So I want to talk about something that's super timely and relevant, first of all. Um, We're recording this podcast two days after um, President Biden's inauguration. Say that again, President Biden and Vice President Harris. (laughs) Um, And politics is something you guys have been involved in for a long time. Um, So quick factoid, um, you two produced two amazing Broadway segments that are very near and dear to my heart um, because my fiance um, hired you guys to do the Broadway, um, what the world needs now is love, sweet love for the Democratic Convention in 2016. And then you just did Seasons of Love and Let the Sun Sunshine In mashup for um, the inauguration two days ago. So um, I was so blown away. I loved both performances so much. But um, I will say the one two days ago, you guys had a very, I know this because I was listening to Glenn, you guys <laughs> had like five minutes to prepare for this. How did that come about? It looks like it was took months to prepare, but how did you get all that amazing talent and how did you put it together? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, shout out to you because Glenn said he was actually nervous that we had so little time and he wrote to me and he said, but Jan said, if anyone can do it, it's Seth and James. So actually you're sort of responsible for it happening. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) He was scratching his head and I said, honey, maybe I should try it. He goes, no, no. I said, well, the only people that really could pull this off would be Seth and James. So that's where they went. You know, of course, the first song I thought of was What the World Needs Now is Love. Because I'm like, that was always our dream to do it at the Hillary inauguration. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that would be an amazing bookend if we get to do it again. And then James was like, 
I don't know why it was sort I, of like, well, I said it was really connected to 2016 and this is new and, and different. And we're obviously in a much different place than we were four years ago. And so he put the kibosh on it. So <laughs> then I remember that, you know, you may know that on inauguration day, 2017, James and I did a something called concert for America. And even before then, one of our signature, we always would end basically every concert we've ever done with let the sunshine in because it's just, it's such a joyous song. And so full I, of hope. And full of hope. So I thought, oh, we should do Let the Sunshine In. But whenever we do our charity concerts, we always say, listen, everybody, we love the song, but basically ignore every single lyric for the first four verses. <laughs> because they are so crazy. It's like, you know, outer space, sitar, just the yeah. weirdest lyrics. I'm like, I don't think we can get away with singing that because I can't tell America, hey, by the way, ignore what we're singing right now. And then, so I was like, oh my God. I was like, the fifth dimension did Aquarius into Let the Sunshine In. I'm like, we can totally do that. It's perfect combination. So we were waiting for the phone call back and then- And I texted her and of course, all of us know that um, we probably only know a smidge um, of the trouble and craziness of the transition. And so basically- I don't know if we fell off the radar, but we definitely were not a priority, which we completely understood. And we were disappointed, but we got it. And then a but week- then by, But Ben, by, by the way, but I knew Ricky would be working <laughs> on it, Ricky and Glenn. So I just mm-hmm. wrote to Ricky and I said, by the way, I said, if you right. really ever do need any Broadway help, like we could just pull something together if you need it. But then I was like, why am I writing him? Like he does a Tony Awards. Like he could just, he could do it himself. It's, it's very like, he doesn't need my help. But I was like, I'll just say like, we're willing to help if you need any help. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on what day was it? It was uh, it was the thirteenth, January thirteenth, which is what a week oh, before, oh, exactly a week before inauguration. I got an email from Ricky saying, "Can you call me at four thirty? And of course, I got the email at six because I'm literally still on AOL, and it comes in like three hours later. <laughs> so mortifying. I just I can't get it together to like go to something newfangled like Yahoo. <laughs> anyway, um, so I called him back. He wasn't there, and then we started doing. And I was like, "Oh my god, I think maybe it's about the inauguration." And then we were doing stars in the house, our live stream. And the phone rang and it was, I didn't recognize the number. And, and it was like 8.03. So we had just started it at eight o'clock. We were on doing the live stream. But as soon as I saw it, I wouldn't recognize it. I'm like, it's, I got to take this call. So I literally left the live stream. I so, was like, James, I got to So take literally this. the first time, Dan, <laughs> in like over 300 episodes, Seth got up from in the middle of the live stream. We're live. It's not, you know, and he got up and it was just me. And, and uh, I, like, I'm taking I, the damn call. I, I took over the show by myself for like 10 minutes while he was talking to Ricky. And he was like, you know, he said, if, he said, when we're streaming the show, we're not going to have any commercials. So we need to fill those commercial slots. What would you think of that could fill a Broadway segment? And first I was. First well, I wait, wait, wait. I just want to interrupt and right. say that yes. on the, only on the networks were there commercial breaks, but everywhere else, it was actually part of the show. So right. only on CBS, NBC and ABC. So really you were part of the, the, the main show. So huh. it's not, you're not just a commercial cut. break. So. Oh, I love that. Yes, yeah, of course. That you know, like my AOL, I don't really understand the difference between streaming and network. So I'm like, what else? <laughs> so I was like, what the heck? So first, I thought he meant to fill all the all those slots. So the first thing I thought of was like, oh, Wheels of a Dream, and he was like, oh wow, Soaks and Audra for that one slot. And I said, oh wait, I said if it's only one slot, I said it shouldn't be a duet. I said it really needs to be a group number with all these Broadway people that are out of work and and singing something joyous. What about Aquarius? Let the sunshine in. And he was like, oh wow, sounds like a great idea. But no commitment, just like sounds good. But wait, it's a week before. I don't know why he didn't just say right away, yes, do it. Instead, he was like, I don't know, take your time. 
So then the next day I was like, Whoa, wait, wait, wait. So Ricky calls Glenn, and this is on what I'm hearing on my end. Ricky calls Glenn and I talked to, you know, because they had decided that they were going to go to you. And um, and then they're saying, Yeah, the age of Aquarius, let the sun shine in. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And Glenn is like, What the what is the stars and planets and I don't understand this. And I said, but honey, it actually is the age of Aquarius now. He goes, no, no, this is way too woo-woo. So everybody started talking and I heard them talking about seasons of love. And of course, you know, we all love that song. And then that goes, then you guys came up with that idea too. Interesting. Well, the next day I sent Ricky the video of Georgia. We just done this video of Georgia on my mind. Yep. For Stacey Abrams, and I said, this is sort of like what it would look like. Mm-hmm. And, but then, of course, it backfired because it was like, this video was put together over 10 days. And Ricky's like, ha you don't have 10 days. You can't take that long. And I think like, that's not the point of the video. I was like, we can do it in a short amount of time. And by the way, the 10 days was over Thanksgiving. You know, it was yeah, that's like why it, took were, that long. it took longer because of that. And and by the way, we had 60 people in it, so which, of course, makes it a little bit longer. But James, by the way, it was, it was so spectacular, the George on my mind. The George on my mind, thank you. Thank you. But by the way, this is our signature. I mean, James, just take two seconds off to just talk about um, um, Voices for the Voiceless. And when we had that phone call with the superpowers. Uh, so our the first time that we did- that left- James and I really teamed up together on a charity event, right? Right. So the first time that Seth and I worked on a big charity event was in, 2015, in the spring of 2015 for this organization called You Gotta Believe, which is the only- uh, organization in New York that works exclusively with uh, finding older foster youth forever families. Because normally, once a kid hits seven years old, they just basically stay in you know in foster homes and they never get adopted and they just age out of the system. And and the then uh, commissioner of child protective services, administration for children's services in um, in New York City, was basically cutting their funding in half. I don't know the whole political reasons, but it wasn't based on merit. And it really, it really upset us. And, uh, and so we were like, we, we got in contact with the people who run it. And we said, we're going to put this on Broadway. And we wanted to do it before the city council, their, their fiscal year ends June 30th. So we were like, you know what, let's do it at the end of June. Maybe it'll turn, you know, turn some minds uh, towards restoring some funding. And so, and of course, the best way to do it is to do it on Broadway. And we knew that there had never been uh, a, an event like that for foster care on Broadway. So we're like, we're going to do it. And, and and this, by the way, is early May. Mm-hmm. And so we talked to two. We won't uh, say hi, but really high power, kind of like Ricky and Glenn, but not Ricky and Glenn. <laughs> People like that, that produced Jan. So mm-hmm. we said, we have this idea, we want to do it on Broadway. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need at least a year. You start discussing it 12 months in advance, 11 months, you then pick the, we're like, okay, click. And then. <laughs> and so, and so we, we called some from some friends because it always helps if you've got some quote unquote A-listers mm-hmm. and Tina Fey said yes right away. And then everything sort of fell into place. And we, we did the concert on Broadway at the St. James Theater the last Monday in June, raised half a million dollars for the organization, and they're still around and thriving. And, uh, but the, the show ended with Let the Sunshine In. So it's a combination of story A, and with that B, they told us we couldn't do it in six weeks. Right. I'm like, so I'm, I'm ADD, like everything is fast for me. <laughs> so when Ricky's like, you got to put together fast, I'm like, don't worry, it will be really fast. By the way, can you maybe tell us that we're doing it? Because then it can be even faster. <laughs> So now it's literally Friday afternoon and it's like one o'clock and he writes and he says, well, what do you, he goes, if you could think of Seasons of Love or Let the Sunshine In, which one would you like better? So James and I called our director, Shelly Williams, who we work with a lot. And who directed Georgia on My Mind. 
And she said, well, she goes, which one's more of a call to action? And I said, well, let the sunshine in is a call to action because it's like, come on, like, let in this light. I said, but Seasons of Love really represents what we've been through, like with the pandemic and we're learning how important family is and love. And she's like, you're right. They're both great. I'm like, yeah, they're both great. If only we could do both. Wait a minute. And that's when we were like, <laughs> we're literally going to put both together. And we wrote to Ricky and Glenn and both Ricky and Glenn wrote back with such nice, like, this is such a fresh take. What a great idea. They mm -hmm. were so supportive and so great. And that was finally our go ahead. And then poor James basically, because they said, you don't ask anybody until we've given you the go ahead. And then by the way, once you ask them, they all have to be vetted. And of course, I had already started uh, because we had so little time. I had already started asking people and Ricky wrote and said, uh, you shouldn't be asking people. But I already had, you know, <laughs> to like because yeah. we were under such a time crunch and we knew we wanted people who either had been because we know the importance of vetting because we had to go through that for the Democratic Convention. Right. But, but we knew that like, OK, maybe some of the people who did what the world needs to know is love, you know, then who had been vetted uh, people who had done George on my mind just because we love the talent. It was really important to us that it was a very diverse, representative group mm -hmm. of Broadway and of America. So that was really important to us. And so, you know, we really had to we really expanded and we worked hard um, to make sure that that was the case and uh, to try to get everyone represented. It was and amazing. It was and the well, and the dance the dance segment at the end, oh my god, it just was so spectacular. Yeah, it was like you know, I was I was suddenly thinking, I was like, this is Broadway. Like every video has been so. You know what? Probably Music in the Mirror probably really inspired me. There's a great video that was made for American Dance Machine that Donna McKechnie worked on of like 20 different people doing the music in the mirror. It, for, it just came out three weeks ago. So videotaping dance was on my mind. And when we were doing yeah. like the sunshine, and I'm like, we could really have some dance in it. So I just texted Charlotte Amboise and I said, hey, would you just do like 20 bars of the sunshine in? And she's like, well, I just sprained my ankle. She literally is full sprained ankle doing that. And I was like, well, could you try anyway? So she literally did it outside, videotaped herself, sent it to me with a sprained ankle. And, her, and by accident, her friend had filmed it with the iPhone vertical instead of horizontal so i wrote back and i was like we can't use this and she wrote back all capital letters i'm going to effing kill you <laughs> but, then, but then she redid it and then the last person we added for dance was cheetah rivera which was post vetting hmm. and poor james had to work his wiles again yes i i, I wrote to the folks with uh with ricky it was monday and, now and basically. it was and everyone had been vetted and i'd already been told that's it that's it that's it and so i basically you know i i, I I just wrote and I said, basically, Cheetah Rivera is an icon. She's the only, and then I still got to know. And I said, which I get, you know, I I get it, but I and I but I pushed. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna push uh, because it's important. I can't have look. We're friends with Cheetah. I'm very happy to say we're good friends with her. And I also knew, you know, you're also dealing with. It's Charlotte D'Amboise, but you can't have a video with Charlotte D'Amboise and Cheetah Rivera is available <laughs> to not have her. And so I hauled out the whole, look, she's the only musical theater actor who has the Presidential Medal of Freedom given by President Obama. You have to have her, please. Yeah, I'm pretty her. sure she's vetted, yeah. I have, yes. to, I have to tell you, Glenn snuck a little cameo of me in one of the um, segments where they sing... Um, um, lovely day and all the little people me included in that little thing everybody had to be vetted so yeah. the vetting thing is like for real and for it's anyone listen for anybody listening to this podcast we're saying a lot of we're talking really fast um just <laughs> had to be clear who all the people are so ricky kirshner and glenn weiss produce and direct uh, glenn produces and directs the tony awards um and they did the um the inaugural events and glenn happens to also be my fiance and ricky is his producing partner so now you know who's who 
Yes. <laughs> and James is my husband. Why? And, yes, yes. We, so let's just, let's actually, let's just segue for a second. You guys sure. are married. You've got a daughter. You work together. Um, and I have a little experience with working with my, you know, a partner. So that you're living with. Um, what is that like for you guys? Working and living together, and how do you manage everything, especially this last year? Oh my gosh! Well, you know, look, we have our ups and downs. I think, I think ultimately, we respect each other as people and and our as talents artists. and as artists. We and never disagree in the long run on anything artistic ever, ever, no, ever. No, it's just to get there, you have to deal with my horrible personality. <laughs> so it's more like James is much more easygoing, and I'm much more quickly opinionated. And then James just sort of deals with it, and then we come up with a conclusion, I'd say. And I would say that the, traje- the trajectory of it over the course of the pandemic, Jan, has been more of me like calling him out on it early. And I'm like, you know what? If this marriage is going to survive this pandemic, you got you to gotta do this. You got to not do that and so on. And yeah. feel free to tell me the same thing. But that's the only way because you're right. It's, it's a lot. Because it, you know. well, my sass, like I've taught him to use more sass. Like, like let's say Cheeto Rivera's birthday is coming up and he called Cheetah's friend and assistant and he's like, Cheeto Rivera's birthday, you know, Cheetah's birthday is coming up and starts in the house. It'd be, be, you know, be great if we did something. Yeah, I did something. And I was like, why don't you literally say, can Cheetah make an appearance? So it's like, that's where like, I'll teach him my sassafras and he'll teach me to maybe be a little bit nicer. And that's yeah. kind of how we're working. Right. And, and because there were times during the, the week, just this past week that you were like, I don't know how I'm going to do this or right. Or it's, it's, it's not going to happen. I, no, it's not going to happen. I just said, I it? just felt very nervous about the final results. You were nervous. I was about the very final nervous. Result. The final and results. I trusted, and I trusted based on what we've done before that it will all work out. And I also trusted that I know that Ricky and Glenn do amazing work. And so they wouldn't allow something that wasn't great to be on the show. So I figured all of those things, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. And just for people listening, I'm not one of those neurotic, oh, this is going to be bad. I I, I normally trust (laughs) playing things. But Seasons of Love is a a group song with 15 people singing in unison. It's not a solo. So to have these weird voices going like, in inches, in miles, I was like, this is going to sound crazy i was really like this is not these are not for solos and that's why i was getting really panicked because we were getting the in, we were getting the tracks of course of someone just singing in miles or whatever the lyrics mm-hmm. were or in inches and separately they sound they sound crazy. they sound like what yeah like it's not there's no line to it it's just like cups of coffee you're like oh but my when God. you put it all together with the visuals with the visuals it's like oh this is beautiful right yeah so it did work out but but we both build each other up and i think we work really really great together and who who cooks i do more cooking but i'm also really weird and i have like all these diets i'm always like i'm always on a diet so basically when james wants a normal meal his mother who lives in an attached house We'll make him something normal. Thank God for my mom. My mom basically has fed me through the entire pandemic. Yeah. That is no joke. (laughs) And she's been very supportive of like, if we're really overwhelmed with a project like this past week, she'll literally do our laundry. Like she's been very supportive and, and, and helping, but she does demand that I play three games of Rummy Cube with her every night. So even in the midst of everything, (laughs) I got to do it. He's not joking. And by the way, I probably owe her Jen about nine games because it was really exhausting the last several days i owe her probably about 20 games 
Yeah, uh, you know what though? That probably gives you some good balance. And what there about you your go. what about your daughter? Is she? I mean, she's, I know I saw her. In, I saw her oh. in the video though. Yes, <laughs> she's, she's, listen, she's very. She's really supportive of all of our artistic stuff. She she loves it. She's really gotten. She's always been political, but she's gotten super political, which we love. She'll our hair looks crazy right now because she's not home. She's <laughs> actually. As she's actually staying in her mom's right now. So like she does, she's, she has a cosmetology license from Aveda. So she'll do our hair. She like makes us look amazing and she's super supportive, but there was a lot of, can you please just do the dishes? So and the answer is always no. So I just want to talk about one thing because you've talked about your mom and now we're talking about kids. You know, one of the things that I think has been interesting in this podcast is a lot of people have said that the reason that they are the way they are today um, in, in terms of being philanthropic or socially conscious or whatever is because of the way they were raised. Mm. So some people have said they were raised and they had a model, you know, role models and mentors and their parents who showed them how to be philanthropists. And others have said actually the opposite, that they came from families where it wasn't happening. So they really doubled down and wanted to be like that. So I just wondered, each of you, how... Do you feel, how do you feel like your background, your upbringing has contributed to the amazing and enormous amount of philanthropic work you guys have done and the enormous work you've done with social impact? Well, I, I can answer that first. I would say for sure my upbringing um, did because I, I'll start to cry because it's it's been such an emotional five years and then it was such a beautiful culmination on Wednesday. But I was raised by a single mom. And, and a single mom in Texas in early 70s, a woman who had not been married to have a baby, was very, very rare. And and yet she, there was no shame. She, she raised me. We lived with my grandparents until I was five. And I grew up from a very young age. My mom was like the top person in her congressional district who was writing letters to her congressman opposing the Vietnam War, opposing Richard Nixon. In fact, and I, and I remember literally her congressman came, came to the door to visit my mom because she had, she had written more letters than anyone else, wow. you know? So, and it was definitely, I am woman, you know, like those type of songs playing in the house all the time. So I definitely was raised with that, um, from her for sure. But also it's like, you know, my mom later on married someone who was abusive and, um, you know, so there was domestic violence that I saw growing up and, and many of friends and family had been sexually abused as kids. And so, and we were not, we were, you know, we lived in a house that was not nearly as wealthy as others and money was always an issue. And I saw the injustices growing up in Texas um, if you were black or gay, or you basically were not a white Christian. And so that impacted me greatly. And so I have no doubt that that, 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 that had an impact for me, for sure. For sure. Now I have tears in my eyes. What about you, Seth? Um, I grew up very wealthy and Protestant. <laughs> and... <My> brother. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, definitely my parents. I mean, my parents were always talking about how they did this thing called the anti-poverty march in the 60s, and they were marching against the Vietnam War. So I always felt like I grew up with these liberal parents. My dad was in the Democratic Party. He, like, ran in our town. So it was always that sort of liberal march against what you don't believe in. My parents had a lot to do with forming the teachers' union because they began as teachers. And so I always had that sort of, like, stick up for the underdog. I think also growing up gay and Jewish, I always felt like the underdog. Like, I just hated that every TV show always had – Christmas was always celebrated 100%. There was never any acknowledgement that you could be anything but Christian. So I always was like, just always felt you had to fight if you were the underdog. So I always had that fire in me. And then when I went to college, 
I um which was where I'm sorry, I went to Oberlin. I we had winter term projects and my first year or maybe my second year, I was like, I've always wanted to play Rhapsody in Blue with an orchestra. So I just put a sign up sheet and I got this big symphony orchestra together of like, you know, people my age, but they were brilliant musicians and I played Rhapsody in Blue. And I was like, wow, you could just do something yourself. So I think the combination of believing in these liberal values and fighting for it, but also like, God, you could just put together something with a lot of talented people and people will show up made me just start doing all these events where I'm like, I'll just do it. Like, that's always been my theory. It's like, let's like the, the foster care concert. Like, let's just do it. It's not hard to get a bunch of people. As long as you have good taste and you have talented friends, like you can do it. I think that it, it, you are such a do it person. And, um, and, and the balance of the two of you, I think, where James, you kind of help figure out the logistics in the way, you know, but um, yeah. you're such a great combination. But I think that idea of just do it, you know, is so important. And I think a lot of people just get stuck. Like they may have the desire, mm. they may feel it, but they, they just, they don't take that final leap. And you are not risk adverse at all, either of you, which I think is so admirable that you just go for it every time. Um, that's not to say I'm not phenomenally insecure and I don't think, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. Like, I'm not one of those, I know this would be amazing, but I agree. I don't, I don't like waiting. And that's probably part of my adult ADD. Uh, also, you know, ADD has some, definitely some good side effects too, you know, yeah. right? Gets, it does. Gets, it really gets, does. Get shit done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Seth, you've done so much. I mean, I, I was looking at your bio and it was like, it was mind blowing to me how much you have done and what an important part of the Broadway community you really are. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, your, your work is so prolific and, and even like the Sirius XM radio show, which I'm now embarrassed because I'm sitting here interviewing you. We should be interviewing somebody else. Oh, I love that. it. It's a nice change. Um, and you've written books. I just, you know, what, what motivates you and what inspires you to, in your work? It's so interesting you say that. I dip, um, if you want like a literal answer, like what inspires me, like definitely when I go to a bookstore and I see book covers, I get such a, feeling of like, oh my God, I want to write a book. Like I just mm -hmm. love, when I look at a book, I just get so excited about writing. So that always inspires me. I just, that's how I wrote my first book. I, I think it was The Nanny Diaries. And I was like, you know, the inside world of being a nanny. I was like, well, what about the inside world of being on Broadway? And that's when I wrote Broadway Night. So I love just seeing pretty covers. It really makes me feel extremely creative. Um, and um, I just, I don't know. I, I get a kick out of it. I mean, I do because it's fun. I mean, that's really it. I feel like I've been very lucky that everything I've ever done has been fun. And when people say to me, oh, you work so hard. I'm like, I'm I'm not working in a coal mine. It's like, it's all fun. I love I love doing the things. I mean, the one thing I didn't like was when I worked at the Rosie O'Donnell show because it was all day long. I didn't like having to be somewhere from 7 a.m. to 5. That I can't stand. But if it's an hour here, an hour there, like I absolutely love it. But that did get you nominated for a few Emmys, right? Three Emmys? Mercy Buttercups. Why, thank you for <laughs> you. Yes, it did. also got me to write the opening number to the Tonys twice. Speaking right. of your husband, right. I got right. to write right. two of them. Um, and, and James, you know, same for you. You've, you've done so many, so much work and you've done so much, you know, philanthropic work and, and, and charitable work. So it's, you know, I, and I think in some ways, you know, Seth is so out there and you're sort of the, in some ways, the unsung hero, you know? Um, oh, thank but, you. But I feel like it's important that everybody see the the team here, the teamwork that you guys have. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Stars in the House because, okay, that's insane. Every day, a concert? Like, how is that even possible? Just tell – can you walk us through, like, how you book it, how you think about it, how you, you know, produce it? Like, how does that happen every single day? It's mostly James. Um, it's funny because we're actually taking off 
it'll it'll be our first full week off. And oh, when wait. I say off, yeah, it it's like, like it's it's, really it's not really off, but it's when it's the first full week we're not doing the show because we're gonna we're have off guests from eight to nine products. at night. I'll say that's yeah, where we're and, off. And 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 me booking. So actually, maybe for me, it'll be more of a time off. <laughs> So I'm I'm busy booking for the next couple of weeks and trying to get ahead. But, um, you know, we started Broadway shut down on March 12th and we started Stars in the House on March 16th. And, you know, back when we were all a little bit naive and thought that it would only only, quote unquote, be six weeks, you know, 10 weeks tops. We thought, oh, we can do two shows a day and um, every day because we knew that we would be it would help combat our depression or anxiety about what was going on and we sure as hell we're not going to go anywhere so it was sort of like what else are we going to do and um and so we just started and and also it's we wanted to give our friends a place to 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 come and and share their talents their stories um we thought it would be cathartic yeah and so we started booking. booking can I just, them. can I just ask because you talked about depression, anxiety, catharsis, all the things that we're a lot of us are feeling. And has it helped? Like, do you feel like it gives your days purpose? And and has it uh, helped specifically? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. I I remember once saying to my therapist, I was like, Oh my god, why can't I just marry someone rich? So I don't have to so I don't have to work. And she was like, You would kill yourself mm-hmm. if you weren't working. Yeah. So if I didn't have these things to do, I don't know. It's a quote unquote dream to sit around and read, but I would hate it. So a hundred percent it's kept me from being depressed. What about you, honey? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's totally given us um, a purpose and, and, you know, we didn't know it would become what it, what it became, but definitely in those early days, it was just non, it was, it was just nonstop, but it it really wasn't that hard to come up, to come up with show ideas. Um, especially when we started doing like TV and we added TV to the mix. And that was James. James said, he goes, people are so anxious. He goes, they need to have, he would call it comfort TV. He goes, mm-hmm. seeing these casts of TV shows you love is comfort TV. And that's that was a great idea from James. And that really blossomed the whole show. Because it allowed us to reach an audience who doesn't know theater, who did not, had never heard of the Actors Fund before. And because obviously it allowed, you know, Broadway, out of all the entertainment mediums, doesn't necessarily get the same amount of love and attention as the others. Um, and so I thought, well, with TV, we'd get more publicity for the show and the Actors Fund. And therefore more money. <laughs> and therefore more money, which is what ended up happening. And we knew people like we, we you know, knew Mary Lou Henner. So we were like, well, can you organize the taxi reunion? And she said, yes. And we, you know, we know David Hyde Pierce because he's done Broadway. And he was like, OK, I'll get the Frasier cast together. And he did. And it just sort of like went kind of like that. I mean, I'd say if you want to have any dish, I'm definitely surprised that we haven't had more maybe people in positions of power reach out to us and say, hey, do you want to have our show on? Mm-hmm. It's basically always basically been us reaching out to everybody. And or I, actors reaching, you know. Uh, everyone, actors 100% have reached out. Mm-hmm. But I would have thought that more other people would go like, hey, here's my TV show. Here's my Broadway show. What do you want? But instead, it's basically been the sound of silence. But, you know, I guess it's all good. It, it would make our lives easier if more people reached out to us on that end. But definitely the actors, everyone has basically said yes to us. We haven't had any right. any no's. I mean, it's – and we don't really run out of ideas. I keep thinking, oh, that's it. But then, like, another great reunion happens or another great person comes on. Right. Well, you've brought – 
you know, I mean, so many, everybody's suffering from grief and from anxiety. And, and I think you've helped so many people feel better and consider this a little bit of a microphone then, <laughs> pun intended, to like people reach out, reach out to Seth and James if you've got an idea, you know, talent, come on, let's do this. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people reach out as audience. They're like, hey, what about a reunion of? And we're like, yeah. great, who do you know? Like, you know, <laughs> right. it's always us making the cold call, but it's, you know, it's been great. And we've had people come on more than once. Like we've had Scandal come on and now we have the rest of the cast of Scandal coming on. So it's like, we definitely have repeat people. Yeah. I love the Scandal ones. Norm oh, and yeah. Tony. We're obsessed with that show. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just talking about the pandemic and the situation we're in, and obviously they're, they're saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, how do you guys feel about, I mean, you've helped a lot of Broadway people sort of, again, keep their hopes up, but also give them something to do and raise money for them. Um, how do you, you know, how do you envision this year? Oh, <laughs> well, continued updates from Dr. John LaPook. We can't, we can't talk about stars in the house without mentioning him yeah. who donates his time is there basically on every show giving us updates. And I, I'll say that it, it's definitely made me feel better having him as a resource because he does know Dr. Fauci and he does know the people at the top of, of healthcare in this country and what's going on. Um, so to be able to have a lot of times he's, he's broken stories that have not been on CBS news. He's the chief course, mm -hmm. chief medical correspondent for CBS news. He'll literally break stories on stars in the house before he gets to CBS news. So uh, that, that actually helps uh, having that. We're still, I will say, who knows? Broadway right now is, I guess, scheduled to open June 1st. I don't know if that's going to happen. I can't imagine that it will. Yeah, um, and, and I think most people don't. So I would imagine in the fall. And we are determined to keep doing this until um, until then. Until theater comes until back. Until theater comes back and Broadway specifically. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to answer your question. We're not going to stop. I mean, I just... You know what? I really keep forgetting what month it is. Like it definitely has just become like every day is kind of the same, but it's all, it's, it's good days. It's not like days are boring, but I, it just seems like this is just going to keep going until something changes. So that's how I envision the future. Just right. the schedule is very, I kind of like the set schedule. I mean, and it's, and it's comforting to me, like right before we came on with you, Jan, I was I, I was emailing with BB Newworth about doing a, a, a show dedicated to Anne Reinking, and she's mm -hmm. going to put it together. So to be able to do that to you know uh, Bob Avian, who just passed away, uh -huh. um, you know he was on our show several months ago, and so to be able to pay tribute to him at the top of the show and show a clip from when he was on Stars in the House is is um, it, it's very specially meaning and meaningful. Um, and, and an honor, really, I mean, to be able to do that. How do you think Broadway is going to change when it comes back? I know there's a million committees and people working on it, but do you guys have any like feeling how, when, when it first comes back, how do you think it's going to happen and how do what changes do you think there'll be? <sighs> I mean, certainly diversity is really on people's minds. I think, yeah. I think you're not going to be able to get away with you know, there's been more diversity, but there's going to have to be a lot more when Broadway comes back. And specifically behind the scenes, I would say an emphasis on behind the scenes, both creatively, yeah. crews, um, on the, the musicians. Yeah, everything. I think that's going to be now that we do have a new administration and so much of the focus of our of our friends, uh, specifically uh, in the theater community, specifically of color and allies 
who've been so focused on having January 20th happen. Now their energies, I can guarantee you, are going to be focused, laser focused on these changes uh, between now and let's say the fall mm-hmm. uh, on, on ways that I don't even know what they will be, but there will be, um, you know, I don't want to call it a reckoning, but definitely a correction that's much needed and overdue. Yeah. You know, so many people have said, and, and I believe this too, like this is a horrible situation we're in. It's, it's just, but I always do believe that good can kind of come out of bad too. So I believe yes. that there will be good that comes out of this. For, for the broadway industry and for all of us individually. Oh, absolutely. There's There's been so much good that's come out of this already. I mean, even these, you know, reunions. Like, I was able to do a reunion of the musical Carrie. With- I was just <laughs> going to say that. Funny? Continue. Continue. Yeah, this is know, a great example. Because well, I never would have been able to talk to, you know, Betty Buckley in Texas, <laughs> um, Michael Gore in Connecticut, Dean Pitchford in California, and Lindsay Haley in London at the exact same time. I never could have organize that we just didn't we never thought about doing but, internet reunions but see not only that i thought oh, you were going to say okay. and then on top of that the healing that came from exactly it, which you can talk about james no it be, you know carrie is is known as a really infamous musical from the 1980s mm-hmm. it opened on a thursday and basically closed two days mm-hmm. later right that it was a quote-unquote bomb even though there were many things about it creatively that were incredible that were incredibly brilliant there were there was a lot of pain from the creative and and cast from that show and I want to say that probably on Stars in the House, that was the first time that everyone had gotten together, you know, and talked about it in le- at length. And mm-hmm. we're talking about also the the composing team, you know, to all get together. And it was just afterward, they everyone texted or emailed us or, or texted Seth and said, thank you so much. And they used the word healing, mm-hmm. that it, it was like it, there was some catharsis. Yeah, there. some closure and therapeutic and hearing the stories about what really happened i mean michael gore said literally the show opened after the saturday matinee they went home to work on the commercial like how are we going to sell the show they knew they had these great quotes and when they got back that night they posted the closing notice so like they 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 didn't even know it was going to close i mean i think a lot of people didn't know each other's story because it was closed and they were gone they never spoke again so it was so you were right a lot of good stuff Horrible stuff has happened, but a lot of good stuff. And, and I would even say, the, the other thing I'll say real quick is that Stephen Schwartz was on yeah. the show a couple of months ago, and it was with the three of the Pippins. Yeah. Three of the mm-hmm. the leading players. From the original. Uh, from the yeah. original production. Leading players. Literally I'm sorry. Yeah, Pippin. I'm so sorry. The Pippins. And, um, and they were... And, I don't think all of them had been together. No. And Stephen Schwartz was learning things that he had never knew about, like Michael Rupert's story. And yeah. it was it was really or John's story. It was Why really Pippen was barefoot. Like they never knew the stories because John Rubenstein kept getting these uncomfortable shoes and he had literally a diva fit, which he never had. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not wearing any shoes tonight <laughs> to punish them. And then Bob Foster was like, That's brilliant. Keep it. He's like, huh? And it was just fascinating. Like, you yeah. know, all these people talking they've never talked before. Well, I know I've been much more living in the moment, which is healthier, right? And um, and feeling grateful every day. So for the, for the good stuff, um, you know, people hopefully will be listening to this podcast. And um, you know, one of the things that I think is important is that we talk about like how can people be more philanthropic, whatever that means. And there's so many different words for philanthropy, or you know, giving, being of service, um, social impact, social responsibility, charity, but. You know, I, I I feel like a lot of people don't know how to take that step. Um, and what would like if you were going to give you know listeners advice on how to you know be sort of a more giving person, especially in this time where we are more mindful? And what would you say, or what advice would you give each other even? 
Well, well, I, I, I can tell you uh, this. I've been we've been kind of focusing on this from the beginning, which is to encourage theaters, to encourage individuals, to literally we, the platform we use is Streamyard, and to literally do what we do, and 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 in fact, that's and meaning having forums of getting together, maybe raising money for their own theater, their own nonprofit. It's a it's a great platform because you can show video clips. We're not paid spokesmen, as I've said many times for StreamYard. It's just a great platform, and because you can you can stream out to YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, and um, and that's what we found has happened, including you know with um, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Mm-hmm. I, I helped tech. I had the honor of like being the tech guy for um, for them in July, Black Theater United specifically, when they had Stacey Abrams on and Sherilyn Eiffel and and Viola. Davis and 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 at one point Sherilyn Eiffel, who's the head of the Legal Defense Fund, said, "What is this platform you're using?" And I was like, "That's the that's the question I've been waiting for." <laughs> and I said, "Well," and I told them, and guess what? The forms that they've been using since have been on Streamyard, and so they're doing more of these virtual um, events. They're so easy, and it's it's really James trying to say support your local theater. Exactly, like Broadway is going to come back. Like I am not worried about Broadway, right? But all these theaters across the country exactly. need support. So wherever you live, reach out to your local theater and just be like, "How can I help?" But like James said, it's so easy to put on just a little virtual show. Just put it on, even if you don't raise any money. Just raise awareness of your theater. You could show, you know, old um, uh, clips or just pictures of past, of past shows. shows. Yeah, so that's what I would. And suggest. there's got to be. And I'm talking about even community theaters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, everyone has you know video that they've taken, and there's always someone in a community theater who sings. Like, just do it. Do a do a special. You know, that goes out, even if it's 100 people on your Facebook group, send it to the 100 people on the Facebook group. It'll make it'll be healing for you. It'll be healing for the people watching. It'll help you feel connected during this time when we're so isolated. Okay, I think we have to put a pin in it because this was a perfect way to end this podcast. I feel so inspired and hopeful. And I will say that on the episode page for this podcast, we'll put in links for many of the things that you talked about and many of the causes. So if people want to check it out, they can go and donate and learn more. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And thank you for everything that you have done over the decades. And particularly in this last year, you have helped so many people through this hard time. I just want to hire you as my therapist because your voice is so soothing. (laughs) Are you available? We'll talk after. (laughs) (laughs) Love you guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway Gives Back. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals with Brittany Bigelow and music by Eric Becker at Broderick Street Music. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, and friend, Jim Lochner, and to Katie and Yo at BPN, Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency, the Charity Network, and to my fiance, Glenn Weiss, who is always my consultant. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.